Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. I'm super excited about today's show. I'm going to be joined by Mari Smith, and we're going to explore a few new updates from Facebook, and also, more importantly, how you can use Facebook for customer service and support, which is becoming a bigger and bigger issue now that everybody's carrying Facebook around in their pocket using their smartphone. Also want to remind you, if you want to reach out to me in any way, you can email me at podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com. That goes straight to my inbox. And with that, I've got a brand new discovery I'd like to share with you. After mediating a crocodile family dispute, look at what Michael Stelzner discovered. I, w- I want to recommend to you something called Trello, and it's spelled just like yellow with a T-R in front of it. T-R-E-L-L-O. Now, Trello is a project management system that is great for marketers. Uh, the easiest way to describe it is to try to visually explain it to you. You have these things called boards inside of Trello, and each board has tasks that you can create inside of it. For example, don't forget to send the email to the LinkedIn group. And within each task, you can assign a person, a deadline, lists that can check on and off, and you can have dialogue kind of like Twitter. You can at tag people. What's really cool about this is it's a very, very cool system, especially once you add uh, the mobile app. So with the mobile app and the desktop app together, and when you actually assign deadlines to things, it'll automatically send an email saying, hey, this is due within 24 hours. And it will let whoever is tasked with that particular project know that, hey, you've got to go in and do this. What's really cool about this is each people or person that is assigned a particular task can leave comments, they can attach notes, they can uh, drag images in, it integrates with Dropbox and with Google Docs and Drive, and it allows you to really just have this awesome way to manage projects. And the reason we went to Trello is that originally we were using these massive, like 100-page Google Docs for our marketing plan, and it was just unbelievably complicated and hard to to manage. And now what we do with Trello is we have these different quote-unquote boards. Well, we have a board and we have, I don't even know if I'm getting the language right, but inside of a board, we've got individual things. Uh, like for example, one is called in process slash assigned. Next one's called next up. Next one's called coming soon in the next 10 days. Coming later, ongoing activities, questions and ideas, done and scheduled. 
and we can drag things back and forth and open them up and have amazing dialogue inside of here. My team, because we all have the mobile app on this, has gotten to be extremely responsive now. You know, in the past, we would use email or Skype, and it was all a question of trying to make sure that you knew where the person was. With Trello, if they have Trello open in their web browser, you immediately get an alert whenever you're tagged on something. And if you act on it immediately, well, you're not going to end up seeing anything in email. Uh, In addition, the second you're tagged with something, boom, it pops up on your phone, almost like a text message. And um, and if you deal with that right away on your phone, you're not going to get an email. But if you don't, then it's going to automatically send an email. So I think the integration and tagging and ability to kind of have like a just a really sophisticated system that feels like a little bit like Twitter, a little bit like um, like threaded chats, a little bit like to-do lists and project management stuff all in one cool thing is awesome. And you know how much this costs? It's free. Yeah, it's totally free. So obviously this is a venture-backed startup. I don't know if it's going to be free forever, but I love Trello. Try it. Thank me later. Um, what's really cool, for example, is you can you can search through this. You can search through like like eventually we're going to try to get all the teams inside a social media examiner using these different boards, and you can locate things very quickly. You can archive them. I mean, I'm just I just continue to learn how cool this is. So check it out. Thank me later. Trello T R E L L O dot com. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World. And I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best of the guests that you hear on the Social Media Marketing Podcast not only teach at our conference, but they're also part of our secret society called the Social Media Marketing Society. Each month, our top tier guests who have been on my show are invited to train inside our society for an exclusive group of marketers who are just like you. The training is designed to help you go from being a passive consumer of content to a marketer who is in active learning mode. So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the social media marketing society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. Now with that, let's transition over to today's interview with Mari Smith. Helping you simplify your social safari, here's this week's expert guide. I'm very excited to be joined today by Mari Smith. If you don't know who Mari is, she's the world's leading Facebook marketing expert. She co-authored Facebook Marketing an Hour a Day and also authored the book, The New Relationship Marketing. Maria has also teamed up directly with Facebook to assist in a lot of their educational events. And it's the fifth time she's been on the show. Mari, welcome to the show. Oh my goodness, numero five. Yippee, that's awesome. That's kind of crazy. (laughs) I think that's a record, uh, other than me. (laughs) So today we're going to talk about how businesses are using Facebook to support their customers. But before we get there, I want to spend a few minutes talking about some of the newer things that are going on with Facebook. And um, why don't you bring us up to speed? Let's start with um, 
with instant articles. What is instant articles and, and what are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. So, you know, when the video started to really get popular on Facebook and there were the autoplay, so you scroll through your newsfeed, they immediately start playing. So that movement, that movement is what catches our eye. And I believe that's what kind of informed this whole new concept of instant articles where you're scrolling through and certain only a certain number of media partners for now, there's nine so far that Facebook has partnered up with that can access these instant articles and take a regular piece of written content, maybe with some images, and really make it come alive with audio, with movement on the page, a little bit of animation, video, and uh, it's going to actually keep people on the platform a lot longer uh, on on the uh, Facebook platform. Okay, hold and on a second, just so I understand this. Yeah. So is this where Facebook is teaming up with big publishers and persuading them to, instead of link to their content on their site, to host the content on Facebook? Is that kind of what we're talking about? That is it. And they're doing it in a way where it's like, hey, let us make your content even more attractive and appealing and enticing and engaging. And so that our fan, our users will spend much longer on your articles. And so, yeah, that's a big, that's kind of the enticer, if you will. It's interesting because it is one of those kind of struggles, right? Because- A lot of these publishers, um, some people are like, oh my gosh, you know, do I give Facebook what is my gold, which is my content, right, upon which we build everything. And I guess Facebook is um, saying, well, in exchange for that, we're going to give you an enormous amount of exposure. You know, do you know off the top of your head of any ones that are doing this and where we can actually see what this looks like? Yeah, yeah. Um, you, they can go to the Facebook page. Uh, actually, uh, it's Facebook Facebook.com slash instant articles. They have all the different part- partners there. So if you look that, if you look up instant articles as a page on your mobile device, uh, on your iPhone, right now it's only on the, on the iPhone. Uh, Android's coming, I believe. But um, you can see uh, the New York Times, National Geographic, a beautiful feature on on bees. Uh, BuzzFeed was the one that caught my eye more particularly because BuzzFeed, it was as if they they typically they knew the path of what the person reading the article would go through. You could swipe left and right. You could tip your phone to just, you know, back and forth to see more photos. You could go up and down. And uh, I found that BuzzFeed was the article I spent the most time on. And it was, they'd really, you know, been creative with what Facebook had given them. Hmm. Almost sounds like, Sounds a little bit like Flipboard I'm visualizing when you're talking about you yeah, know, what it yeah, does. Yeah, you're right. But it's through yeah. the Facebook app itself, huh? It's all through the Facebook mobile app only. And uh, I'll give you some links for your show notes. But um, yeah, I think that anybody who right now is on an iPhone, when you experience it, I was blown away. I mean, it's just incredible. I hope it takes off. You know, I hope it do. And, and you know, some of the big partners, obviously, you know, New York, New York Times, Atlantic, The Guardian, BBC News, means there's some pretty big partners. So who knows if it'll be available at large to, you know, any business down the road. But the idea is for content publishers to create fast interactive articles. Oh, by the way, that's a, that's a big thing too, Mike, is the, is the load time. They found that that would actually, when people were trying to load an app, it would take about eight seconds to load, uh, excuse me, an, load an article. So 
That's one of the instant articles is super, super fast loading. Interesting. Mm -hmm. It's intriguing. I mean, you know, from a marketing perspective, we'll have to see where that goes. And if that that world expands even open even further, it kind of reminds me a little bit about what LinkedIn is doing with their LinkedIn publisher, right? Which um, they allow anyone to blog, if you will, on on LinkedIn. And the idea there is to get people to stick around longer on their app or, or, you know, their their website. Uh, Let's shift over to Facebook Messenger. Um, Talk to me about what's been going on with that and maybe where things are going with Facebook Messenger. Well, I'm very, very excited about it because at the F8 conference back in March there, the uh, sixth annual developer conference, um, that Facebook announced that they're opening up the API. So that means now any third-party developer can create an app that will sync with or work with Messenger, similar to kind of idea as Google Docs, if you will. So like if, let's say someone sends you a link to something in a Facebook Messenger, uh, a Facebook message, and you click on it, and then it will say, oh, you'll need to install this app to view that, that kind of thing. But what I'm more, that, that's one thing. That's, that's kind of like, you know, bookmark that for later. What I'm most excited about is the integration with merchants. So right now, only a few online merchants, but Facebook is going to give us the opportunity when you when someone goes to make a purchase and they're at the checkout and they can check a little box, it'll say, would you like to rece- receive updates from this merchant via Facebook Messenger? Bingo. Guess what? That's as, almost as good as having the person's cell phone number because push notifications, uh, you know, high open rate for SMS messages. Obviously, it's not SMS, but it's, but it's Facebook Messenger. And so, for example, you go to buy something and it's like, hey, Mike, you know, that shirt that you just ordered came in your favorite color, blue. Would you like to order one? One click. Yes, sure. They have your credit card on file. Easy peasy. And or you can track things like um, sh- parcels that are, you know, sh- shipping across the country to you or uh, you know, where it is and you can send updates back and forth. It basically opens up uh, a conversation, two-way dialogue between the merchant and the cu- the customer, the consumer. It's and kind I of interesting, it's, isn't it? Isn't that because amazing? It's kind of like Facebook's way of trying to maybe take over email or take over SMS messages. Yeah. And yeah. Um, it, it is intriguing to think that I mean, if you think about how this happened, first there was the mobile app, and then the mobile app decided to turn off. Well, then the mobile app actually spun off other apps, like the group app, right? And um, right. and it seems like they're taking functionality in some cases and enhancing it in its own app, and in some cases porting it over completely, which is what it did in Messenger, and it angered a lot of people like me. <laughs> yeah, same. I was one. I was a holdout. I didn't want to go, but now I like it. Now I don't mind. But yeah, I still, still don't use it. I use paper to be honest with you as my way of getting Facebook messages. Oh, you use paper. Okay. Yeah, because you can get Facebook messages through paper. They didn't take it out of that yet, but they, maybe they will when I hear this. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's intriguing. I mean, the world that Facebook is going into is developing um, individual mobile apps that become their own little ecosystems. And that's interesting, especially from a marketer's perspective. It'll be really interesting to see where that goes. Any um, any timeline as far as when some of these APIs are going to start opening? Uh, or is it already available and there are already people developing Messenger Yeah, add- Yeah, add-ons? it's open now. Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like if you if you were to use Messenger, there's a way that you can send all kinds of fun things like um, anything with from inside of an app. You can send that in between, you know, friends right now. Um, but yeah, I think that Messenger and, and I know this is going to lend itself really well to our topic today, because when you have that ability to communicate one way, you know, two excuse me, two ways 
with a, a consumer, a client, then um, it's brilliant. It's awesome. Well, let's talk about that. Let's transition over to the customer support side of things, uh, customer service. Um, if I think about the way business currently handles things, most businesses today are using um, email, they're using telephone, and maybe they're using contact forms on their website, right? Like ticketing mm-hmm. systems and stuff like that for support. Mm-hmm. Um, but over the years, we know that a lot of people have gone to Facebook and Twitter to to um, to, to argue or to, you know, complain about bad service, right? I mean, that's where Frank Eliason <laughs> got famous, right? With Comcast, Comcast Cares and all that stuff. So um, for the business people that are listening right now, you know, why should they consider using Facebook as a customer service support option, considering all the other platforms that are out there that are currently, you know, quote unquote working? Yeah, well, I, the, the key here, Mike, is it has to be an integration. It's, it's definitely not going to be either or. But the thing is that the vast majority of your customers are already on Facebook and they're on there for a long time and frequently. And vast majority are through mobile, mobile devices. So the actually, you just reminded me the other day I was interviewed for a Wall Street Journal article about how more and more companies are turning off voicemail. I think JP Morgan and Coca-Cola, they're like eliminating, you know, millions or even billions of dollars of expenses by cutting voicemail. And so this um, journalist was asking me, well, do you think that's going to impact how, com- you know, how customers contact these companies and the kind of service that they get. They want to be able to talk to a human. Now they can't even leave a voicemail. Hmm. And I'm like, well, that's kind of a sign of the times. I'm not a fan of eliminating it totally, but I really am a huge fan of going back to basics and, and giving people a real human being to talk to. But the biggest challenge is of course, all of these different, you know, ways that customers can reach us. They send us a tweet or a DM on Twitter, on Facebook. It's maybe a wall post or it's a comment on a current post or an old post as a direct message, uh, that kind of thing. And so it can actually be unwieldy. It can be actually a big headache for for a lot of businesses on Facebook where how do they actually manage all that? So the why they should use Facebook for customer service, if I understand what you're saying, is they're already on Facebook. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, is this a stretch, but are they already attempting to look for ways to communicate with company X on Facebook? Yeah, yeah, well, they are. Of course they are. And, and, And by the way, there's actually a couple of new features that Facebook recently added for local businesses. So you know how there's call to action buttons for when you go to place an ad and you can go like shop now or download or learn more, those kinds of things uh, for link posts. Well, Facebook added, um, actually find directions was there a little while ago, but the newest one uh, just very recently, this uh, last few weeks was called call now. So call now. They actually want local businesses to have that button in their, you know, their ads that will say, you know, hey, we're open for business. Call us right now. And that's where Facebook realizes if that phone is in that person's hand and they're on Facebook, they want to be able to connect it up with the right businesses. Interesting. And so this is more of a, this is more of like uh, from an advertising play, like you're advertising a special on pizzas, right? And there's a sporting event on. Um, with below that ad will be some sort of a little button that says call now and then it will automatically call the pizza place. Is that kind of what I hear you saying? 
Well, not automatically call. I mean, you, yeah, you press the call button, but it would be like if someone had a question about, you could, depending on how you craft your ad, and, and you're right, that these, these buttons are actually only available for the paid products, interestingly enough. You can't stick a call now button into your regular wall post. But the idea is, is basically you would have to have, obviously, staff on standby or a system to be able to integrate and, and, and you know, capture the incoming inquiries. But yeah, it could be, can we call now to order your pizza? <laughs> well, don't they, isn't there uh, on the, on, I don't know if this is on mobile, but don't you have these little call to action buttons on the Facebook page? Can't you change that to one that might be like similar? Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, you're absolutely right. There are call to action buttons and there are, um, let's see. Yeah, they're very similar. Book now, contact, well, they're similar, but you know, shop now, watch video play game yeah yeah they're similar us. but not quite contact us yeah and you're limited there there's not one that says call us or right. find directions or sign up now well, yeah sign up there's one that says sign up that's about it so okay so getting back to we've talked a little bit about the why and just to summarize the why is because um well i don't have you heard any stats as far as how often people are on facebook i sh- Oh, how often they're on Facebook? Yeah, like, I mean, how many hours a day does the average person spend on Facebook or or, or any kind of metrics or numbers? I mean, because I 42 think- minutes a day average, 42 minutes, and it's actually gone up three times. It's three times as much as three years ago. Wow. Okay, and the number of people that are on Facebook now is over a billion. Oh, 1.4 billion, 1.4 billion, it- eight. 80% of which use the mobile device. And, and uh, in America, I would imagine it's a pretty significant portion of the population. Yeah, that's a good point. Yes. Yeah, it is. I don't know that number off the top of my head, but very high. So so if you think about this, if people are on Facebook as often as they are, and it's probably mm-hmm. not 40 minutes straight, it's probably lots of little spurts is my guess. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, then, you know, um, if, you know, they go to your Facebook page, which I'm imagining has got to be the way that they do it, then, you know, and they know that they can get service that way, they will, I guess. So that, that addresses the why, but let's talk about the how. Um, you know, how are you using Facebook for support, Mari, or how are you seeing others do it? Just because I know for a lot of people listening right now, it might be a totally foreign concept. Yeah. So, um, what customers will do or, or prospects or consumers is they will go ahead and they will try to find you on Facebook. They'll do a search usually in their mobile app and they're going to see if your page comes up. If your page doesn't come up or if there's You've come up with some weird creative way to name it that nobody will ever find. You know, obviously, you want to make sure that it's a very obvious and intuitive name for your page, and it will come up. You want to do your own searches too to make sure that uh, you see yourself coming up. Um, also, I even think that you know, do a search for yourself on Google to see how well your Facebook page shows up, mm. um, and then and you make sure it's got good keywords in the about section. All of that is good for SEO, and the fact that you know Facebook's the second most traffic site next only to Google, and so all that. Let's say all that's assuming that's good. I would recommend. Um, having a, a good cover image that you maybe change up regularly. Maybe you, know, you definitely use that call to action button. That's an inbuilt feature on your page now, but you might also have some verbiage on the cover image telling people what to do. And so then what people will do is if, if your wall is open, they'll, they might 
write a wall post. If your wall is turned off, they're going to make a comment on an existing post. That is where it can get really crazy on Wieldy Mike because if some of a major brand with millions of fans gets thousands of comments, it's just not humanly possible. They probably couldn't even, you know, put enough staff on to manage all the potential comments in there because you've got to weed out the complainers and the negative and whatever and then try to get to bona fide customers. So managing comments probably one of the biggest challenges. I would say if it's if it makes sense, you want to enable the um, message feature. So then, because the nice thing is that Facebook kind of does the stripping out of spams anyway. Like I'm just checking on one of one of my favorite pages I'm, is uh, Oreo. I'm the Oreo are one of the best marketers out there. So how, how much can you do with one little cookie? But they, they always stretch in the limits. 40 million fans and they have their message button enabled. If you wanted to message Oreo, you could. And so that's one element there is another box to manage, if you will. So just to be clear... Like I'm, I just, while you were talking, I'm on the Wells Fargo, um, website, which is a major bank out here in California. And, um, I see that they have, uh, you know, I can write something on their wall. So that means that, um, that's a way that I would logically think if I was a user, Mm -hmm. um, to go ahead and say, Hey, I'm having a problem. Um, something's wrong with your ATM machine, right. Or something like Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, the message thing, you know, they have to choose to turn that on, right? And that does that show up on the mobile app the same way it does on the desktop app as far as is it easy to see that? Do you know? Yeah. Yeah. The message button is very easy to see on the mobile app as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah. explain to people that may not use the message app, I mean, the message capability, how that works from the user business experience. Is that like, okay? Yeah, go ahead and explain that. Yeah. So from the user experience, the user knows that if they see message, they can tap that on their phone or click it on the desktop. And they are now writing directly to the page owners or page admins. I mean, it might necessarily, you know, on Richard Branson's page, probably Richard doesn't check his own messages. But you know what I mean? You're writing to the admins of the page. Now then, that allows them flip around from the business standpoint. As soon as someone messages you, assuming it's a bona fide message and not someone in just you know complete spam or rubbish or something, but if it's a genuine message, now you have this golden opportunity to begin developing a relationship with that person because it's all initiated by the user. You as a business or a page owner, you can't go and initiate a one, uh, one-on-one conversation. And it's private, right? Anyone. It's private. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's kind of like the equivalent on Twitter saying, please, I'm following you, please DM me, right? Yes. Or it's like yeah. saying, can we have your email so we can take this private? But you can do yeah. the whole thing inside of Facebook. And obviously the benefit is that um, if if, if I'm the business and I reply back to that user, it's as if they got an instant message or whatever, right? In Facebook. Yeah. So it'll come yeah, through Messenger, it, right? It is. And if people, and it'll come through Messenger. And remember, 80% using their mobile device, Messenger's a separate app. If they've initiated the message, it's going to go into their main folder. It won't go into that other folder. And so then, and if they have their notifications turned on, they're even going to get a little notification pop up on their mobile device. Hey, Mike Stelzner just replied to you. So um, one of the logical things that goes through my brain is management of of these messages and and timely responsiveness. I mean, and I think this goes both ways, right? Whether someone's posted something on your wall or, you know, which is, I guess, 
arguably public, right? Or is it not public? I mean, let's talk about that as well. You know, um, if, if you have the ability to post something on your wall, does the rest of the world necessarily see that or can that be hidden? Yeah, all pages are public. Everything on a page is public except messages. So under and, under post to page is where you where people would see all yeah, that stuff, right? Yeah, they're a little buried, but people could still dig in there and find them. Mm-hmm. And it's important to distinguish that just because someone posts something on your wall doesn't mean you can initiate a private conversation brand to consumer, right? You'd have to that all have to be public, or you'd have to figure out a way to take it offline, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You would. Mm-hmm, that's right. So, um, as far as the the private um, the, the message component of this, do you know if there's I don't know if you know the answer to this, but is there third-party apps or is there even an app that Facebook makes that allows people to manage their messages um, when they have a page? Okay, great question. And no, Facebook, well, I mean, I use the um, uh, Mentions app. If you are a public figure, you have a certain number of fans, there's a, a really nifty app called Mentions. And I think actually if you use your you think that'll figure, work? You think that'll work for a page also for a business? It is for a business. Oh, okay, cool. It is for a business. Excuse me. Yeah, it's only for business pages, and but it's only for certain certain business pages over a certain fan count, public figure, or certain categories, and or a verified account. So, but people could go to the app store and try to download mentions if you can get it and it works for your page. Then obviously you qualify. Um, but I, I don't use it all that often. I know our friend Guy Kawasaki uses it all the time, and and other you know big brands and whatnot. Um, otherwise you just basically, you've got your messenger and your Facebook and you've got your pages app and pages app for I highly recommend pages, absolutely for managing pages and you can manage, um, private messages on that app. But otherwise there really is uh, a market here, Mike, for excellent social media management tools, you know, from small to medias, medium sized business all the way up to enterprise that cater to this growing challenge of having an inordinate number of messages coming from all kinds of different places, right? And we've on Facebook alone, there's, there's, a, there's a, a number of them, as we talked about, comments and post to wall and direct messages. Then um, there's a growing need for a, a company that or a service that will manage those and allow you know, marking that when the comment's been replied to, escalating it up the chain, flagging it, mar- uh, assigning it to another team member so that they can then, you know, take over the challenge and adding some notes and what happened and, you know, maybe, oh, I called this person and where do you put that? You know what I mean? So there's like all kinds of... There's probably someone listening right now that says, hey, we do that. (laughs) (laughs) If so, be sure to comment in the show notes because I'm sure there's a lot of people that probably do do something like this if the API would allow them to. But that it's, it's, it's definitely... A need. I, I I don't know of such a tool, and it sounds well, like you friend, don't either. Well, our friend, our friend Emmerich over there in France. Uh, oh yeah, at Agora, Agora Pulse. Pulse. Yep. Agora Pulse does a pretty good job of it for the SMB market, and I know on the on the higher the enterprise level, you got like Spreadfast and Sprinkler. Uh, I was just talking to NetBase the other day. There, there's a lot of um, growing companies that they're, they're if they don't do it already, they're adding to it because this concept or this this topic of customer service is being able to reply very quickly, right? Speed is of the essence, response time and volume. And then obviously training. It's like, how do you get your staff up to speed to deal with this? Well, um, let's talk a little bit about the, the um, what you think are some of the best practices. Um, 
you know, there's a whole breadth of possible comments that people could have, right? I mean, there's like the customer that has a broken product or a service that's not working. Then there's the negative press side of things and, and all these other kind of things. Um, and then there's people that just are kind of spewing <laughs> negative stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody has somebody who doesn't like their their company or their product or their brand and are going to say really negative things. And I would love to hear your thoughts because I'm, I'm sure you must have spoken about this or thought about this in the past, but how do we as businesses respond to somebody who publishes something on our wall, which is potentially seen by the world, and, mm-hmm. it's, and it's negative? What's the, what's the best advice you can give on responding to these kinds of negative comments? Okay, so for example, one of my clients is... Um First American Home Warranty, they provide uh, home homeowners insurance and their target market is realtors. So they sell this to realtors, but it's the end user that then, you know, goes and, and goes to make the claim in the policy and invariably and they have if they don't have a positive experience, they'll get upset at the insurance company. And insurance is one of the most regulated industries. And so, unfortunately, people get all upset and they start posting complaints. And, and in fact, I've encouraged First Home Warranty to uh, American Home Warranty to, to, to leave their wall on. And they, um, they actually invite the complaining people or the negative people to immediately take it offline because they want to go and look up. They want to make sure they start taking the conversation offline and be able to actually look up their policy you know, and, and give them proper service, make sure they're even in the right person that they're talking to, they're, they're a customer, they're, they're insured. Um, it could be that at some point they turn their wall off because if it's just gets to the point where, you know, you can't, you can only be so many, one after the other, one after the other, it's just saying, take this offline or mess, pri- please private message us, send us your policy, you know, here, email, email us here, so that's one thing. Okay, so hold um, on before you go to the next. So just yeah. just to summarize, yeah, um, you know, I would guess uh, respond quickly first of all, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, mm-hmm. respond quickly and say, "Hey, uh, Jack or Jill, um, we're really sorry to hear about this. We want to help right. make it right. Um, would you please email me here um, and reference this or something? You know what I mean?" And mm-hmm. that way you can you can at least acknowledge them, right? Because don't you agree that if you let things go, they can get quickly out of control? Exactly, exactly. Like I said, speeds of the essence. So even if you just reply and say, you know, we hear you, we know you're having an issue right now, please private message us with your email address or the best number to contact you at, or you know, in this case, the property address or the policy number or something like that. So you're, you're asking the customer to help you to help them. There you go. What about, um, you know, uh, what about uh, someone who is just obviously saying hateful things? Yeah. Well, interestingly, Mike, I had a, had a situation like, like that myself the other day. Um, so someone, um, one of my fans, he was being asked for um, government-issued ID. And, and this is happening on a more frequent basis, I'm seeing on Facebook, that Facebook's really trying to enforce a real name policy. And so if somebody has a profile that's, you know, really doesn't look like a real name, then Facebook's going to start asking them to provide ID. And this one gentleman was just taking it exception. He's saying it was prejudice and it was, he was going to report them to this outfit and that outfit. 
And I saw him, he made a comment on a post that I'd made. He was really trying to get my attention. He wrote a wall post and I have, you know, Juan, and I know he's our, our wonderful Facebook moderator. He had been kind and replied back to him, but this guy just wasn't having it. Mike, he just kept going on and on. And I, and then my team alerted me, Mari, there's this guy that's, you know, going crazy. He just doesn't want to provide ID and he's, so he was saying some very derogatory things about me and my business, and I thought, okay, that's it. And I had already responded to him. I had responded to him. I'd give him the benefit of the doubt. I told him it was perfectly legit. I had, you know, I had shared my own ID with Facebook years ago, and I'm, you know, verified or whatever. But um, anyway, so the guy was just, he wasn't having it. And I, so I just deleted it. I, I, I banned him. Actually, when I banned him, it automatically deleted all of his comments. And I thought, okay, the guy's just being negative and needs a soapbox. So that's rare. That happens maybe once a year at most on my page. But that's my, hopefully your listeners can take away some actions from that is that when someone is just being awkward and, and annoying and you've given them what they've asked for and they still don't let up, just get rid of them. I, I totally think that there are legitimate reasons to do that, and I'm with you because mm-hmm. there are some people that are just impossible to please, right? <laughs> and for whatever reason, it seems like anything that you say with some people is just fuel to the fire, and you just know that yeah. you just know that um, you know there's only so many hours in the day, and there's some people that are frankly just not pleasable, and yeah. and, and maybe it's got nothing to do with you. Um, speaking of banning people. Um, whether you agree with it or not, I will tell you, you know, on social media examiners page, uh, we post lots of content and a lot of people, um, post dialogue in that content, right? So, um, sometimes there are people that are clearly spammers Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. um, we, we ban them like constantly just because, what we found happens is they post the same thing in every one of our posts. I don't know if you found this to be the case mm-hmm. or not, but we are just constantly banning those people. And I feel no problem doing that. Um, I'm just curious if you know of a better way to deal with spammers. Uh, there, well, not really. No, that's it. You just got to block them. I was going to say there's the moderation block list uh, for under settings. If you tend to have specific, specific keywords, you know. Um, oh, that's good. Tell people if, about how that works. Uh, actually, it's a profanity filter. And just like, let's see. No, you know what? They changed it up. See that? I just is double check here. Is it still there? Oh, okay. It's off medium or strong. That's it. You can do medium or you can do strong. But I suppose if someone was, you know, you, people might want to set that to, to at least medium if you have people that are using swear words. Um, oh, oh, excuse me. There, I just saw it right here. It's, yeah, page moderation. Okay, so page moderation is still there. Block posts or comments containing the following words. So again, you know, if you if you tend to have certain keywords that people use, then then that will at least stop them from going on your wall. Well, and I imagine you could also, yeah, that that's really intriguing. Um, I, I want to briefly mention something about. Um, or have you talk about the softer side of people skills that are necessary for service? Because one thing that I see, and I don't know if you see this or not, but on Facebook, it seems like people can get real passionate about things, right? I mean, it it could start with just um, you posting something very innocuous, right? And then all of a sudden someone not agreeing with it and then someone not agreeing with them. And before you know it, (laughs) it's like you started a little forest fire, you know? So, So how do we, what are the skills that we need as businesses to be peacemakers or to be, um, helpful? You know what I mean? Because I think that the choice of words that we make 
sometimes is all that's needed, but maybe there's more. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? I would say the absolute number one skill, Mike, is emotional intelligence. I believe it was Martha Beck. She's kind of a renowned uh, coach, life coach. She was on Oprah one time. And I remember her saying, what the world needs now more than anything else is emotionally intelligent leaders. And I was like, she is so right. What does, know, that, from, yeah, what does that mean? Well, from governments to businesses, it means that you're able to make rational decisions. You're able to make logical decisions. You don't get all fired up and triggered up and impassioned by emotion that's not positive. And I have this saying that when emotions go up, intelligence goes down. So in this context here, we're talking about with customer service on Facebook, someone's really angry. They're so upset. If something didn't work, they ordered it and they've got all this thing planned or whatever. Or they're just a complainer and their emotions are running high and they're going ballistic and they're all complaining. And then so you want as a person managing your page, your moderator, your team, your customer service, your community managers, they need to have the equilibrium within themselves to go, wow, that person's really upset. They're having a really bad day. They're not going to internalize it and take it personally and go, that's so-and-so jerk. I'm going to give him a piece of his mind. Let me give him, <laughs> you know what I mean? And then get all fired up and emotional back. Cause that's just going to, you treat fire with fire, you're going to get more fire. So being able to remain calm in the eye of the storm and to understand that your emotions are inside of you and that you can just take a deep breath and, give, and, and find it within yourself even to have compassion for someone that's going through something difficult. Well, and I think, I think that you've hit on a couple of key things that I want to expand on a little bit here because I think so often, so many of us don't try to put ourselves in the shoes of the other person that's having a problem. Yeah. Instead, we look at a script and we say, okay, this is our standard response. Yeah. And sometimes those responses just don't work. And I think it's important for those of us that are leaders to train our people to give them leeway to be able to make decisions when um, when circumstances are unique, right? I'll give a, a quick little example that's not necessarily related to Facebook, but we you know we have this social media marketing society, uh-huh. and um, we were go- we were we we decided to take PayPal, and we had all sorts of technical challenges, and uh, we ended up um, having like. 15 customers who um, it went through and then it canceled. And then we tried something else and it worked and then it didn't. And then we tried something else and it worked and it didn't. And they were just getting angry and they were getting infuriated because these people wanted the product and no matter what, it didn't work. So I finally said, give them it for free for life. And I got to tell you, I converted these people that were just infuriated and up to upset into like the most glorious, happy people I've ever seen in my life. You know what I mean? It, it, yeah. And, yeah. And the reason I'm telling you this story is because I think that when people are upset, they don't want to be upset. They want to use your product. They want they it do. to work. It's and actually if you, right. And if you can make it, if you can actually make it right, they will become evangelists for you and they will let everyone else know about it because you know what? They probably... They probably would have just given up on you a long time ago and never even come to you if they didn't really, con- if they weren't really concerned. And I think we have to think. And, and you know, Jay Bear talks about this with hug your haters. Um, I don't know if you heard his closing keynote yeah. at Social Media Marketing yeah. World. I sure did. But, yeah. But I think we need to be thinking about um, every single um, complaint as an opportunity to turn someone into an evangelist. And by doing good and doing right with them, knowing we can never fully satisfy everyone, but being equipped to make those kind of calls, I think is essential. Don't you? 
I 100% agree. And what a beautiful illustration. It's surprise and delight. It's having empathy. It's being having the staff at the ready with something that they are empowered to make a decision right on the spot and go, well, you know, I'm going to give you this or a special incentive. And, you know, uh, Zappos over the years have done really well with that on the phone, you know, and, that, and that's actually part of their training is that the staff that spend all their days is talking to customers on the phone and providing exemplary customer service, that they have a certain amount of elbow room to make exceptions. Oh, I'm going to go ahead and, you know, upgrade this to overnight you or I'm going to, you know, throw in an extra whatever. Um, and so that people that really get get that surprise and delight element. And I think that's such a, an important aspect of, of training in customer service because you can't have people going off a script. And because it feels canned and it feels like people go, oh my gosh, you don't really understand my situation. And even though it might be similar to, you know, 10 other people like them. But um, yeah, that's a great, great uh, example well, um, you know, I just think in closing, everyone that's listening right now needs to realize that social media is not just about um, marketing. It's also about social, right? And it's about support and it's about helping out people. And it can just as easily be used as a weapon against your company <laughs> as it can be a, uh, used as a way to, you know, uh, turn someone into into an evangelist for your company. So I think mm-hmm. it's very important that everyone that's listening really take serious how they're using social media to support their customers. Um, Mari, I know that um, you're traveling around the country doing some great stuff with Facebook. Um, and I know you've got a lot of things going on. So why don't you just why don't we close with having you tell everyone where they can discover more about you and the things that you're doing? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, just uh, marysmith.com, uh, facebook.com slash marysmith. Um, and they can check out these upcoming events at fb.me forward slash boost. Uh, or else certainly uh, they can find it on my website. And I'm really looking forward to meeting everybody around the country um, and this year. And then I'm doing some international travels myself. So I'll see some of my folks overseas as well. Mari, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to, uh, to catch us up on what's going on in the world of Facebook. Absolutely, my pleasure. Well, I hope you got a lot out of that episode. I want to ask you a quick question. Are you wondering how many hours your peers are spending on social media and what kind of impact that has on benefits? Said another way, are you wondering if investing more time in social media actually helps increase leads or other marketing benefits? Well, that's exactly the kind of stuff we studied in our new social media marketing industry report. It's a 53-page report. You can get it for free at socialmediaexaminer.com. By the way, if there was anything that we mentioned in today's show and you just didn't catch it because you're out and about, don't worry, we take all the notes for you. You can get the show notes at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 153. Stands for episode 153. Also, if you're new to the show and you're not already a subscriber, hit that subscribe button so you never miss a future episode. Well, this brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you in the driver's seat next week. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day. And may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. 
Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.